Uh, but today we're going to be talking about the lovely topic of overwhelm. Is there anybody that understands a little something, something about being overwhelmed? You know, the Oxford definition of overwhelm can actually be described as the verb to drown. I know it's encouraging. Aren't you glad you came to church today? To be inundated and completely defeated. And as I was preparing for this message, I really felt that, you know, God brought a, a uh, story to my remembrance because uh, I grew up in Florida. And so we, uh, we would swim. Come on. Come on, my Floridians. We would swim in very dark lakes. And there was a lake that my mom used to take my sister and I to on the weekends. And it was a really high, tall, like a t tall high dive. And so if it's not uh, terrifying enough that the water is dark and there are gators, there are real alligators, so we call them gators, in the water. Um, but then you add the height to it. So we're talking a big, uh, it's basically a big tower that you jump from. And then to add to the fright, you decide not to put a lifeguard on it with a bunch of kids out for the summer. So if, if all of that didn't terrify you enough, my biggest fear was jumping and then people not following the rules and jumping on top of me. <laughs> because I had seen it happen multiple times. And so this experience is so much fun until it's not. Until you are the person that jumps and they don't follow the rules on the top. They jump on top of you and you can't get up. You can't breathe. And you will never forget the feeling of not being able to get up and breathe when you need air. And oftentimes, anxieties of life and overwhelm can feel just like that. It can feel like, I can't quite get up to breathe, and you feel like you're drowning. And I, I want to encourage you today, because I do feel that the Lord wants to bring us some encouragement in this area. Because I know many of us increased workloads in the DMV. Come on. Come on, you know that project that you picked up because someone was else was supposed to do it, but then they never came back, and you still doing it? I know. I've talked to some of you. You've got looming life decisions ahead of you. Well, God, if I go this way, then I can't go this way. What do I do? Do I? Is it time to get married? Is it time to have children? Is it time to adopt? All of the many life decisions, everyday decisions, can feel overwhelming at times. Some of you feel the internal pressure. The internal pressure of, I need healthy relationships. All I do is work, but I don't have time. And that's why we have community groups. This is my shameless plug for the third week in a row for community groups. Make time. Come on, group leaders. You know. It is so great. That is why we have to be able to have a place to take the mask off and breathe and breathe. But it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like another task to find time in your schedule to do that. I believe God wants to speak to us from his word today because I believe he does have another way for us if we'll lean in today. We're going to look at the book of Matthew chapter 8 verse 23 through 27. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. God, we thank you that every time we open your word, we can come expectant that you are going to read our email. That you already know our weeks, you already know our days, you know our years, and you've already gone before us in your word. And that your word truly does give life to our souls. So we thank you that we're going to walk out today encouraged by your word. And you are going to empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit to walk it out. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, let's read from Matthew 8, verse 23 through 27. It may be on the screens. If not, open your phones. But not on Instagram, only on the Bible app. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went, and he woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now what we know about the, the, what happened before this particular part of the text is that Jesus and his disciples, they're working. They're traveling around the different cities. They're outpouring. They've got a lot of things going on in their life. Can you relate? And Jesus says, hey, let's get into a boat on a lake that's already known for storms. Life has storms, and they're called overwhelming life, just life. <laughs> and they're going to happen. And so I can't wait to ask Jesus face to face. Jesus, why did you think it was a good idea to be exhausted and get into a boat that you knew storms were going to be in. And then he's going to say, Christina, there's some wisdom in it. There's some wisdom. There's some wisdom. And what we know is that this is only one account of the synoptic gospel. So we know that Luke, in the Luke's account of this same story, he's a physician. So he's seeing things from different eyes. And he actually says that once Jesus gets in the boat, he literally fell asleep while he was sailing. Now, you know you are tired when you fall asleep while you're doing something. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you are the person I'm about to describe, or maybe you know someone who is the person I'm about to describe. But have you ever, talking, like you're talking to someone, and they're so tired they fall asleep while you're talking to them? Uh, and spouses, this is not the time to elbow your spouse in the rib cage and be like, yeah, I was pouring out my soul, and you fell asleep. Next thing I hear is snoring, right? Or... You're scrolling your social media at night because you're just like exhausted and you need some mind-numbing thing to do. I know none of you do that either. And, you, and literally the phone hits you because you have dropped it while you are scrolling. None of this has ever happened to me. But if it did, that just tells you how tired your soul is. And Jesus is fully man. He's fully God. And yet Jesus needed a nap. I don't think Jesus and his fully God self probably needed the nap, but his fully human needed the nap. Can I just remind all of us today that, yes, the deity, the, the fullness of his Holy Spirit does reside in us, but we're fully human the last time I checked. And sometimes overwhelm comes when we are exhausted. In fact, we see three different storms brewing in this story. The first is circumstantial. There are legitimate waves and there are legitimate winds. Just on a national and global level, hello, turn the news on for five seconds, stormy weather, stormy weather. But then let's just add everyday overwhelm to it. Too much work, not enough play, not enough rest. Let's just add the crazy demands of children for parents raising young children, or maybe you're worried about your adult children who are not making good life decisions, or maybe you have aging parents. I mean, the list goes on and on. So if you add the circumstance to your personal circumstance, 
And then we see the second storm that's brewing is an emotional one. Well, how do you know that, Christina? Because the disciples who just got in the boat are like, Jesus, we're drowning over here with an explanation point. That is an emotional response. They're scared. How many of us get scared when life's weight gets heavy? We we are emotional beings. God created us that way too. So we're physical, we're emotional, and then you have the spiritual piece. We see a theological storm. In fact, Mark's account, he says, teacher, do you not care about us? Oftentimes when we are sinking under the weight of over-responsibility and overwhelm, we can, can cause us, if we're not careful, to challenge our own theology. Is God really good? Does he really care about me when I feel the weight crushing in? In fact, here's what I know. That if we're going to weather the storms of life, we have to be better prepared and we have to normalize it. Come on. We get into a group. You're like, how's your week? I'm like, whoa, it's been a week. Me too. Hashtag me too. Me too. That's why we need each other. That's why we got to take the mask off and we got to be like, hey, can you pray for me? You pray for me. Let's go. This is life. The better prepared we are, the better theologically sound conclusions we can come to about who God is and about the outcome of this situation. In fact, if we're not, we can injure ourselves in a storm if we come to unhealthy conclusions. We can, we can injure others. And worse, you can quit. You can straight up quit the assignments of God on your life because, hello, life is overwhelming. Adulting is what we call it. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It does not say if, it says, underline when. When. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for the testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Aren't you glad you came to church today? So that at the revelation of his glory, hello, this is not the end. Aren't you glad? This is not all there is. Sometimes we can be so fixated on the wind and the waves. We're like, we completely lose perspective that this is not the end. Eternity is at stake. And we're also sons and daughters of the Most High God, which means I can tap into the supernatural power of God to muster a storm. So how do we prepare? I'm so glad you asked. Point number one. We have to grow in self-awareness. Now, overwhelm is a normal part of the human experience. We're normalizing that today. And if you're anything like me, you can actually believe the lie that you're superwoman or man. My kids often think that I'm superwoman. I am not. It does not take a few moments. Now, some of you are just really good, probably like I am, at doing things in your own strength. Do I have any honest people in this room? But oftentimes, until you get to the end of your own strength, do you actually understand the power of God? Because you are not that, you're good, and you're awesome, but you're not that awesome. That's what your pastor's supposed to do, okay? I love you, but, same thing with my kids, I love you, but, we, we got to get this, I love you even still, even in your mess, but I need you to 
we need some realistic expectations. In fact, there's a psychological term called objective self-awareness. What does this mean? It's just a state of reflection in which you can reflect on yourself and you can attempt to get a realistic view of who you really are. You know, the inconsistencies between what you believe and how you behave. Yikes. And you're like, oh, that's never me. Yeah, okay. Don't look your spouse in the eye right now or your roommate or your friend, but ask them later. Because if you don't think you have any, any discrepancies between who you are and who you think you want to be, who you really are, then that is why we're talking about this point. We have to be self-aware. We have to be self-aware. And we all have blind spots, every single one of us. But we can lovingly step into those for one another. And we can remind each other, hey, you need to acknowledge, and this is legitimate in, in, in objective self-awareness, uh, we acknowledge our own limitations. That's the humanity. And we have to say, i got to close the gap. Can you help me close the gap? You can't close the gap on your own. And that's how God designed it. In fact, we see Jesus models self-awareness because he takes a nap. Jesus is tired. Some of you are tired. I am tired. Can I say that? Life is tiring. And sometimes, even though Jesus was fully God, he could have pressed through. The, the crowds were still demanding and trying to take from him, and he, there's still more emails to answer before you close the laptop. But he says, no, 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 I'm not tapping into that. I'm going to model a different way. I'm going to model my humanity because you're going to need it. You are not Jesus. He lives inside of you if you've made that decision, but you're not him. And so you too need limitations if Jesus does. In fact, spiritual formation author Pete Scazzaro, I love this quote. Maturity in life is when someone is living joyfully within his or her God-given limits. I find most of us resent limits in ourselves and in others. And we expect far too much from each other and ourselves and often live frustrated and angry. This is not God's heart for us, church. There's a better way. We have to be aware of our physical, emotional, and spiritual fuel tanks. God has made this whole person to be a carrier of the presence of God. And I have to care for all of it, just like you do. We have to care for the whole person. In fact, we tend to ignore the dashboard indicators that tell us that the fuel tank is low because everybody is speeding on empty. You're like, why'd you catch me? Everybody's doing it, officer. I can't catch everybody, but today is your day, baby. Today is your day. Just the other day, my gas light turned on in my vehicle, my natural vehicle. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm driving, and my first thought is not, I should pull over and get gas. My first thought is, I wonder how far I can make it. Now, I'm just being honest. Do I have any, anybody that probably, that's, the second, that's your thought. Yeah, I know. Now, there are some of you who are judging the rest of us because you're like, are you kidding me? I fill it up every Monday because I have calculated the mileage and how much gas I need. We love you, too. We often push our dashboard indicators until we realize, and I did, hey, last time you did that, you remember? You stranded on the road with three kids in the middle of the winter. Everyone has to go to the bathroom and there's no food in the car. Good luck with that. 
Come on, pain is a good teacher. It's a good teacher. Some seasons are strength-building seasons, church. They're strength-building seasons where we have are called or tapped on to carry more weight than you naturally would want to. We have to do it safely so we don't injure ourselves, take us out of the game longer, injure other people around us unintentionally because the weights fall off, or we just quit. Some of you walked in the mor- this, this morning and you're like, man, weight's too much. I got to quit and bow out. No, we're going to talk about what we need to do instead of quitting. But it's important. It's really important because 1 Peter 1, 7, 9 says these trials are only to test your faith. To see whether or not it is strong and pure, it is being tested as fire tests gold and purifies it. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried in the test tube, did you know you were in a test tube of fiery trials? It's called life. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of his return. Again, a reminder, this is not it. This is not all there is. So I take a, a Metcon class for all of my workout people. And for those of you who are not, I'm about to explain it. And it's a workout class that I do every week. It is a part of my wholeness, of my wellness. How do I keep the whole thing moving, right, and, and, and working? I encourage all of you to do that. And so as we're, I'm in this class, there's kind of more or less two types of training. You're either strength building, you're building muscle, or you're building endurance. Typically, a lot of people are familiar with endurance. I do three sets of 12 to 15 at a moderate weight that I think I can lift, and I'm comfortable there. Please don't mess with me. The strength building time is when you load up the weight to about 80, 90% max capacity before you get hurt. You lower the reps. You rest between sets. Some of y'all already, you know where I'm going. Or you get a spot. There's one more thing we can do in those moments of we are lifting weights. Let me go back to my analogy. I'm bench pressing. And if the weight, if I'm not resting enough in between sets in a heavy season, then you'll get tired and you're prone to injury. If you don't get a spot and you need it and you're too prideful to ask for help, hello, I've been there. I just did it yesterday. I said, it's time to strength build and I'm going to max, max weight. And my first thought, church, I'm getting in your brain today, was, I got this. I got this. The second thought was, dear Lord, I, I don't got this. And I, I, I need a spot. I need a spot. So I ask a friend. I'm like, hey, help me. And I'm glad I did because I would have crushed myself. That's the second thought. The other thought is sometimes we're just pushing too much weight. And it's time to offload. you got to take some weight, some weight plates off so that you don't injure yourself. Especially if you have a bad shoulder. You're not going to push your max capacity. You're probably going to do like 70%, maybe, maybe 65 on a, on a bad day. You're going to offload some weight. So facing overwhelm without some objective self-awareness to understand, am I in a strength-building season? Do, do I have the proper weight on my bar? If you don't, you can tend to blow things out of proportion when there's a storm. And you can come to unhealthy conclusions about the situation, and they're just lies. They're just lies. We see the disciples do this. Jesus, we're going to drown. 
you, you just spent time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have seen him do miracle after miracle, and you are worried about a storm that he led you into, by the way? There is no evidence that these men were out of the will of God. They're, they're, Jesus leads them into a boat that he already knows there will be storms. He already knows this. So I'm going to give you a practical challenge. I want you to take some time this week to think about the bench press. If you're in a season where you're like, this is heavy, this is heavy, do I need more rest in between sets? Do I need, do I need a spotter? Do I need to humble myself and ask for help? Do I need to offload some weight? Sometimes you just have to punt the meeting. You look at your meeting, you're like, I have 10 meetings today. I, I cannot do all this. Can it wait till next week, next month, next year? Sometimes you have to delay the class or the degree program or the thing you wanted to do for a season. Sometimes you have to ask for help on that work project because you're like, no, I can do this. But you're like, it's crushing me. I need help. Sometimes, mom and dad, you have to say no to another extracurricular activity so your family can have some breathing room. Come on, DMV parents, you know the pressure. You know the pressure. Sometimes we just got to drop the weight. It's not forever. It's just for a moment. It's just for a moment. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 28, 30. The reason we can do these practical things. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. The word gives us hope, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's light. John 14, 26 promises us the spotter of all spotters, church, the Holy Spirit. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He wants to lead us, which leads us to the second point, which is remember that God is with you. Jesus is in the boat. He's unfazed by the storm. He is sleeping. He is sleeping. Now, as a former sailor in another life, and I did, very short time, I, I, I don't sleep in storms. I'm like, look, I, I can't. How do you sleep in a storm? But this is Jesus. And Mark's account of this same exact story says that he was asleep in the stern. For all my non-sailing people, the stern is the back of the boat. That is also where the rudder lives. A rudder on a ship determines its direction. Jesus is in your boat right now. In this momentary current storm that feels like it's crushing you, Jesus is not faced. I want you to just picture Jesus in the stern of your boat, and he's the one that's directing. The moment you think you are, you will drown in overwhelm. That is no place for us to live as sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's no place. The Apostle Paul continues to speak of preparing and normalizing storms. And if you ever feel discouraged because you're like, I'm drowning, I want you to write this down right now. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 25. And it will encourage your soul. You ready for this? I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged. More severely, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I have been beaten with rods. 
Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Do you feel better now? It's perspective. It's perspective. He's in our boat. He's in our boat. We see the state of their, the evidence of their emotional overwhelm because they say, Jesus, save us. They don't have perspective, which means the emotional storm is very real. But we also know in Mark 4, 38, he says, they say, you don't care about us, which is where that theological storm comes in. I'm overwhelmed and you don't care. Reminds me so much how children often act. As parents, come on, we're, we're, we're making sure you have clean clothes every day. We are, you know, we're, we're tending to your emotional needs. We are making food for you. We're putting them in the lunch. We're putting it on the table. We're running you here and there. And on movie night, when you can't have the third scoop of ice cream and we say no, or yes, you're going to school because you have a sniffle. Did some of you got that? Kids think they should stay home because they have a sniffle. A sniffle. That's supposed to be funnier than it was. <laughs> this happens about once every other day for me. Um, but in those moments, can I tell you, it is so crushing as a parent when your kids say to you, you don't care about me. You don't love me. It's so emotional and developmentally appropriate. But you're like, hey, I, don't, I, don't, I don't love you. Are, you. are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But oftentimes we can be a lot like this with Jesus. Jesus, where are you? This journey is taking longer than you said it would. Jesus, you promised me a spouse and he's still or she's not here yet. Jesus, you said we'd have financial breakthrough. Here I am. Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in your business. But I love how Jesus wakes up from a nap and he talks to the root of the issue. He doesn't talk to their emotional reaction he doesn't talk to this, I mean, he eventually does talk to the winds and the waves, but he's not concerned with all of that. His response is so peculiar. Verse 26, Jesus literally says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? In other words, the seeds of fear were always dormant in the disciples' hearts. How many know seeds of fear and faith can both grow in the same place? The storm produced the water that germinated the seed. The seed, seeds need germination. They need water. So a perfect storm of overwhelm in your life can germinate the wrong seed. How do you know it's the wrong seed? Because you had the wrong thought. You had the wrong thought. Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care about me. Doesn't care. And those are the moments, church, where his word tells us over and over and over, I need, to, I need to capture every thought. I need to align it with God's word. Because he's saying, hey, if you had faith, you'd have a different outcome. You, you'd think differently about 
this situation and this circumstance. So he's not mad at us. He's not getting mad at us. He's not scolding us. He's just saying, hey, hey, let's deal with the fear in your heart. Let's deal with that. Because as long as you allow that to stay rooted in your heart in these situations, you'll never think right about it. You'll never think right about the overwhelming life circumstances. I'm trying to normalize it today. They happen to everybody. But we have an opportunity to grow. Hello, that's what strength training is. Why am I tested? Why am I, why am I going to test my strength? Because I need to see if I have grown. Have I strengthened my spiritual muscles enough to be able to muster this storm? Without storms, we don't get tested. Testimonies only come with what? You don't graduate with the degree unless you get tested. Tested, tested. Subjective self-awareness. If we don't have it in the storm, we come to unhealthy, unsound theological conclusions about the situation. And then we live out of it. And say, instead of saying, God, I'm scared. I'm scared. Don't like this. Don't like it at all. Help me to get your perspective. Help me to rightly evaluate my life. Am I, am I carrying too much? What needs to, to go? Who do I need to give what to so that I can remain not unstressed or untapped or, un, you know, because whenever you put stress on a muscle, that's how you grow. It's not that, but it's, it's the turmoil on the inside. That's what, I'm, that's what, that's what he's, he's dealing with. In fact, Luke 6.45 says that out of the abundance, the mouth speaks. How do I know what's in my heart, Christina? What are you speaking in the storm of overwhelm? That is the truest. You remember what we talked about, that self-aware, objective self-awareness? This is who I think I am, and this is who I really am. And the gap is where we get tested and we get the opportunity to grow something different. In fact, I mentioned as a novice sailor, I had to learn to grow into my sea legs. This did not come natural to me at all. In fact, my natural inclination was to go in the bottom of the boat into my cabin and curl up in a fetal position and say, dear Jesus, let this end soon. That's what my natural inclination wanted to do as a young sailor. I genuinely was in my early 20s. And so what I learned from the ones who had sailed a little bit, the more seasoned sailors is what they told me was, hey, Christina, you actually need to do the opposite of what you naturally feel like you should do. Now think about that. Naturally, there's storms. Our fear, our natural man is like amygdala, fight, flight, run. This is danger. (laughs) What if it's not danger? What if you just need to know how to weather it? What if it's actually here to help you grow? Have we ever thought about it that way? We don't like pain. So what they told me was, you need to go to the deck, which is you don't want to go there because it's the winds and the waves. I don't want to be out there. But that's actually what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go up, get some fresh air. By the way, God has designed our body physically, emotionally, and spiritually to work as a unit. And so, did you know, all my physicians in the room are like, yes, when you take a deep breath, you are resetting your entire nervous system. 
There's a vagus nerve that literally lowers your cortisol. That's the stress response. It lowers your blood pressure. Come on. It's not me. He is the master physician who created us this way. You need to take a deep breath of air and lots of them. I'm breathing every day, getting my kids out of school. I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) Have you real? You're resetting. I'm resetting so I can get right perspective. And then they said, don't focus on the wave in front of you. Focus on the horizon. I'm looking at the horizon. Why? Because if you'll focus there, this storm will be over quickly. It will be over quickly. And this is where the book of Hebrews tells, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This story isn't over. This boat is not capsizing. I am going to keep my eyes fixed. We need our sea legs. We need our sea legs. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this anchor as an anchor for our soul. Firm and secure. Why? Because the storms, they might not come. They will come. I talked to many of you. Some of them have already hit you like a freight train in 2024. You got to anchor your soul. Anchor your soul. I want to give you a challenge. Capture what's coming out of your mouth. Be bold and brave enough to ask someone close to you. Be it your your spouse, your best friend, your mama, some mamas. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> it's all in how the tone of how we return. If someone is coming to you to say, hey, help me see my blind spots, be gentle with that. You have a, you have a role and a responsibility not to crush them, but to tell them the truth in love. Hey, I've noticed your emotions are all out of whack. You all right? What's going on? That's why we take our mask off, confess our sins one to another, and we are healed. James 5.16. If you don't know that scripture by the end of the year, come talk to me. I think we say it every single Sunday. I want you to challenge your conclusions. You're in a storm of overwhelm. What is your conclusion about what's happening? And then I want you to follow that trail to your heart. Am I speaking from seeds of fear or seeds of faith? In my experience, when we grow seeds out of fear, it's not great. It's actually not the outcome of God for our lives. And and, and, and they, they grow in the same place. But that's our job to weed the gardens of our heart so we'll think right. Starts in our heart, sprouts to our head, and then we behave out of what we think. It's amazing. (laughs) The master gardener of our soul has created our soul, our spirit, and our body to work in unison. It's an amazing thought. Which leads us to point three. We have to win the war in the spiritual. And Jesus gets up, he rebukes the wind, and he rebukes the waves. And it's completely calm. In fact, they're amazed. What's cool to me is that these guys have been walking with Jesus in the flesh. Come on, how many of you want to walk with Jesus in the flesh? Like, I'm just like, man, you were in the presence of the almighty God. And yet you still are rocked. He's in your boat. Which tells me, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a day or 20, 30, 40 years, we all have something to learn. 
And there's always another level in God. Always. Always. The ending of this story reminds us that this battle is not just a flesh battle. It's not a physical battle. It's not just an emotional battle. It's a spiritual battle. And oftentimes, if you're like me, when those emotions and that amygdala gets triggered now, and the, the storm is raging, and our eyes aren't focused on the horizon, they're focused on the waves, we forget we're in a spiritual battle. In fact, if Ephesians 6, 11, 12 says, put on the full armor of God so that you, can't ta- so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. If you do not believe there is a devil and there are evil forces, then he has already got you beat doesn't take long. Look around. Look around the world. <laughs> look, look at the havoc that gets wreaked in our own lives. You have an enemy of your soul. In fact, we talk about it a lot. The thief comes to what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What? The abundant life that Jesus says we can have. Not the perfect life. Not the life without any stress. Not the life of no overwhelm. He just says, I can help you through it. Anchor of your soul. There's an anchor. There's an anchor. The weapons we fight with, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Does anybody need some divine power in your life? To demolish strongholds. What is a stronghold? The strongholds are typically in our mind because they have been fueled by the seeds of fear in our hearts, church. Do you see the connection? Once you begin to see the connection, you're like, baby, give me, give me those tools. I'm going to start toiling the soil right now, and I'm not going to stop until I finish. Because you don't want that in your life. So we got to keep on praying and talking to God. Oftentimes when we're going through the storm, the first thing that goes is what? Come on. Why? I'm mad. I am mad. Jesus, you have not done anything in this situation. So we stop talking to him. That's absolute. Again, remember the sea legs? My natural inclination was to go inside the cabin. (laughs) That is not the natural, that's not the natural reaction we should have when we have storms. We need to run to the Father. Jesus, help. Calm calm my nervous system. Calm everything about me, God. I invite you in this situation. I will speak to the storm. I will use your name because I know that Jesus, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. That the righteous run into it and they are? Proverbs 18.10 promises us that. Jesus is in your boat. He's in our boat, church. Philippians 6, 7, be anxious for? But what about these things over here? Anxious for? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our request be known to God. And the peace of God, is anybody in need of some peace of God in your life? Which surpasses all comprehension. It will guard our hearts and minds. We need to pray the word of God. You have a sword of the spirit. Part of that armor is a sword. I don't know what to pray. Pray the word. (laughs) Literally, pray the word of God. Claim it. Promises over you and your family. I will walk through the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff comfort me. 
You better learn to fight. You don't come to a fight with no weapons. <laughs> Speaking of weapons, you got to continue to worship. Can I tell you, the last thing I want to do when I'm fighting, when I'm trying to solve something, is to sing. Can I just be honest? It's, it's the second thing that goes out the window. But sometimes you need to remind your soul, listen, flesh, you're not leading this ship. God is. And I will sing because I know that in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. And that joy is not dependent upon perfect circumstances. That joy is not perfect. It's, it's, not, it's not contingent upon the waves being calm. Because that's not really even real. For, for many of you, there are unexpected bills that you're dealing with. You're trying to figure out how the world am I going to, how am I going to do that? Some of you have some diagnosis that you're like, man, I know that's not the end of the story, but it's eating my lunch. Some of you have real work demands that are crushing you. And honestly, it's just, it's strength training. You, you can't, you can't sustain it. But for a season, God's put you in this place to grow some muscles. But you're saying, God, I need help. We challenge you to get your power tools out. Now, Jeremy and I, I've told you this before. We have both spoken of this. Neither one of us have a handy bone in our body. So I need friends, and I need contractors in my life. We're both terrible at it. Now, we've grown. I would say, I've grown. I've grown. <laughs> Love you, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> not gonna, I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> The little that I do know has been completely unnatural to me. So my dad, a couple years back, bought me this really cool drill set. And it has sat in my garage. Sat in my garage for a really long time. And here I am using the old manual screwdriver to put up pictures on my wall. And, you know, it works pretty much until, you know, your pictures start pulling out of the drywall or you hit a stud and you're like, this ain't happening. My, shoulder, my rotator cuff hurts. Like, you can't do that. And so it wasn't until my mom came and taught me, hey, don't be afraid of the drill gun. You can do this. She puts the drill bit in my hand, and she does a few. Then she has me do a few. She practices with me. And I'm like, okay, I got the hang of this. Oftentimes, we are approaching our life with a manual screwdriver. And we're like, it's up to me. Looking all crazy. And we're approaching our life like, man, it's up to me. I got to do this. Oh, my gosh. How am I going to do it? I'm only I'm approaching it from a physical stance. Oh, my gosh. I need to get my emotions. Get my emotions right. Like, you right? But he's saying, hey, don't forget your power tools. Talk to me. I've got the divine power that brings down strongholds. I've got the power to push back the devil's plans. I've got the power and you've got the tools. You're just not using them. Worship me. Pray my word. Write it on your walls. Tattoo it on your body, whatever. Do what you got to do. Because you got to learn to use your power tools. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> 
By the way, and I know that that felt very unnatural to me, by the way. I'm not like one of these. I'm not Joanna Gaines. <laughs> Some of you, that's going to feel really unnatural for you. You're going to be like, Jesus, help me. Right? <laughs> do your thing. Do your dance. Just do it. Do it. Nobody's watching. It's between you and Jesus. He doesn't care. Come as you are. Come as you are. You can't sing worth a flip. Who cares? Do it in your shower. Do it in your car. Jesus, do it. Do it. The more you do it, the more you're like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Here's your challenge. Have you let your spiritual guard down in this season? Have you stopped talking to God about those issues and just tried to rationally muster the strength and do it on your own? Are you renewing your mind daily with God's word? Are you fighting with it? Are you fighting it? Do you have some verses right now that you're just, I'm telling you, though I walk through the shallow of the valley, valley of death, I mean, it's just rolling out the tongue. Are you making time to worship? Because that's your warfare. It's your warfare. It's amazing to me how just a moment in the presence of God that you feel like you don't have, just... <laughs> Melts everything else like wax. You're like, what was I mad about? <laughs> Why does that problem seem so big? Why? Because you've refocused your eyes on the horizon. You've refocused your eyes. You've fixed your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. As I close, just out of reverence, I know that everybody's so busy around here. We run out and you're like, what was that message about? I know. It makes me feel great. That's why we're going to take a moment for you to meet with the one that it's all about. Everyone, just out of reverence for each other, why don't you close your eyes for just a minute? Why don't you talk to God? I want you to give him that, that, that thing, that thing that's overwhelming and feeling like it's drowning you.